listening to a Clovis Hills podcast, you're about to hear from one of our teaching pastors. I want to encourage you, go download the Clovis Hills app where you can listen to sermons, you can give, you can do the growth group questions. They're on there too. And you can study God's word together. God bless you guys and go be the church. Hey, good morning, Hills. How are we doing? Well, the good news is you guys are awake, so that's good. Hey, good morning to those of you that are watching online and uh, wherever you're watching right now. I know uh, they're not watching at Old Town right now. They're doing an outdoor service, and that's awesome. We're stoked for them. We got baptisms after this service. It's going to be good. Hey, I want to invite, invite you guys to something um, this Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. It's just a day we pray, pray for our country, and uh, if you can make it at noon, um, there's a group of us, we're going to be meeting at New Cove Church here in town, and we're going to be pr- just praying for our country from 12 to 1245. I'd love to see you there if you can make it. It's a great day. And then we're going to, um, starting the next week, we'll start praying um, online from 12 to 1230 every day on the Clovis Hills uh, uh, prayer Facebook page. And if you want to join that, we're just going to be praying for our country. And then on the 25th of this month is the Fresno Clovis prayer breakfast. So we'll kind of culminate it there. And Ann Graham Lotz is going to be speaking at that. If you don't know who that is, that's the daughter of Billy Graham. And uh, Billy Graham has, has always said, actually all his children have always said that his daughter Ann was the best preacher in the whole family, better than him too. And she brings the fire if you've ever heard her. She's so good. So I, I'm excited to go and see her. So it's going to be good. Now, um, prayer is always the wise choice, amen, right? When you pray, that's a wise choice. Now, when my kids, my kids are all teenagers now, when they go out with their friends, one of the things my wife will always say to them is, make wise choices, right? She wants to grab them by their little cheeks and shake them and say, make wise choices, because that's really, um, by the looks of this crowd, how many of you have made some bad choices in your life, right? So don't point at someone right now. <laughs> That's not cool, okay? Um, but, the, you know, we do. Throughout life, we make all kinds of choices. Every day, you're making choices all day long. From the moment you rise, you choose to brush your teeth, you choose to take a shower, you choose to brush your hair, you choose what you're going to eat, you choose the route you're going to drive to work, you choose the the radio station you're going to listen to or the podcast. Like we're always choosing things all day long. And along the way in this life, you will make some hopefully wise choices and you're going to make some foolish choices. We're going to talk today about godly wisdom. What is godly wisdom? So, because um, here's, here's the interesting thing about human beings when it comes to wise choices. We don't ever ask, what is the wise choice? We usually ask, what can I get away with? I have a friend, he's a police officer, and he's told me, he's, I go, what's the number one question they ask you as a cop? Your friends, family, acquaintances? He goes, everyone asks me, hey, how fast can I drive over the speed limit before I'll get a ticket? <laughs> right? This is human nature. Um, you know, as a youth pastor, I used to get, how far can I go with my boyfriend or girlfriend before it's sin? How many drinks can I have before I'm drunk? Um, you know, just, just how many loopholes can I find in my taxes before it's actually cheating on them? On and on and on. If this podium is sin, what we as humans like to do is go, how close can I get to it without actually sinning, Right? This is kind of the gravitational nature of human beings. This is why in the Bible, the Apostle Paul says uh, in, um, I believe it's Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, he says, be very careful then 
Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Be a wise guy, okay? It says, not, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Now, nah, days aren't evil nowadays, are they? No, not at all, right? It says, because the days are evil, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So what, what is wisdom? See, I don't know if you realize this, but the gravitational pull of our culture is always towards, I want, I want it now, not later. I want more, not less, right? Um, and see, being unwise isn't necessarily wrong. Be, you can make an unwise choice that is not sin. Some of you are like, oh, good. But here's, here's the, the, the truth of the matter is, our unwise choices usually are a road to sin. It's a pathway to sin. And it's a series of unwise choices. I've never met a person that woke up one morning, was living a perfectly happy life. Life was awesome. Everything was going the way it was. They were healthy. They were tracking all of it. And they woke up one morning and they went, I think I'm going to try meth today. I'm going to pick up a meth habit. No one does that, right? It's a series of small choices, unwise choices that led them to that place. That, that's how it works. Whenever we get to a place that is destructive in our life, that, is, that, that really can damage us and other people around us, it was a series of many little unwise choices along the way. And it, that, that path could be paved with all kinds of good intentions, but it takes us there. And see, Paul, in the Bible, talked about this thing. Um, we translate it in the Bible as flesh. It's a, it's a Greek word. It's um, sarx. So everyone say sarx. So in the Bible, this word sarx is translated literally as flesh or skin. But that's not what it meant. As a matter of fact, I believe some of the more modern translations, the NIV actually translates that word sarx as a sin nature. Um, there was a guy named Augustine or Augustine, potato, potato, however you want to pronounce it. He called it um, original sin. And really what he's saying is that inside every human being is this gravitational pull towards sin away from God. We want to please God. It's a good idea to please God, but we end up following our flesh and doing what our flesh wants us to do, what our nature wants us to do. And our nature is always pulling us towards sin. So wisdom, if you want to know what wisdom is, godly wisdom is this. It is the capacity to see the world through God's lens. Think about it. Think about that for a minute. That you could see your decisions and your, your world through God's eyes, that's godly wisdom, that you could see his perspective on a situation. No matter what situation it is in your life, you lost your job or there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, an opportunity that you've got to make a decision on or something's going on in a relationship or something's going on in your kids, on and on and on, good and bad, godly wisdom is when you can begin to see things from God's perspective. And usually the question we're not asking is what is the wise thing to do? So I want to talk about that. How do you make wise choices? Well, number one, the first thing you got to do if you, if you want to make wise choices is you have to fear God. Number one, you have to fear God. Um, in the Bible, there's, three, there's a section of the Bible in the Old Testament called wisdom literature. 
And that's the book of Job, that's the book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes. And in there, there's all kinds of um, wisdom and Proverbs. And I, you know, I've told this story before, but my, um, a, guy, a guy that mentored me, he was old, much older than me, I was in my 20s, and he was just so wise. And, um, and I always would ask him, like, how did, like, he was more than smart. Because how many of you have met smart people that didn't make wise choices in their life? Yeah, there's lots of those, right? But he was wise. And I remember I was like, you know, how did you get so wise? And he goes, well, some of it came with my gray hair, you know, trial and error in life, making mistakes, learning. He goes, but I do believe God has given it to me. And one of the, re- one of the things he said he did, he goes, every day, almost every day in my life, I try as best I can when I wake up, I don't read the paper, I don't re- go to the news, I don't go to any of that stuff. I go right, I go sit down, I go to God's word. And he would read a piece of the Old Testament a piece of the New Testament, and then he would read a chapter from the book of Proverbs. See, there's 31 days in the book of, or 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. So if today is May 2nd, my friend, he's gone to be with the Lord now, he would, he would have woken up and opened to Proverbs chapter two and read Proverbs chapter two. And I've taken up that practice for a good portion of my life as well too. And, and here, here's the thing, in the book of Proverbs, in, in chapter nine, it's kind of the key verse of the whole book. It's kind of the, the linchpin of this whole book. And look what it says in Proverbs uh, 9, 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you wanna get wisdom, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So I wanna talk to you about this fearing God. How do you fear God? What does that mean? That seems really weird to fear God. Should we be afraid of God? Maybe we're supposed to be afraid of Old Testament God and we're supposed to be happy about New Testament God. What does that mean, Sean? Well, hold tight. There was a guy, his name was Philip Melanchthon. And Philip Melanchthon was a contemporary of Martin Luther, the great reformer. And Melanchthon talked about what it meant to fear the Lord and what that means. And there's two types of fears he talked about. The first is a filial fear. Everyone say filial. It sounds happy, right? Filial, right? A filial fear. And what that meant was that's a type of um, respect or admiration like a, like a little boy would have for his father. Now, I know in certain families that breaks down if, you, if, if maybe you had an absent parent or um, you had a terrible parent or a terrible father figure or whatever it is. But here's what I know. Even in the worst of home situations, every little boy wants to make his father proud of him. There's something in us that has that. And this is what I'm talking about, this filial fear. When the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it's this, I want to make my father proud of me. It's, a, it's just, it's a reverence you have for him. A love, a deep respect, a wanting to please. There's another kind of fear you find in the Bible and it's, it's much different than, than a filial fear. And that's a servile fear. A servile fear is um, really like you're fearing a jailer or um, you know, someone that's going to punish you or whatnot. And here's what you have to understand. When it talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Here, I wanna let you in on the good news. For many of you, you may have been taught from the time you were little that God is someone that you servile fear, that he could get you I know what you did last summer, All, you know, that, that you better act right or he's going to punish you, he's going to send you to hell if you say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or you mess up too many times and I'm going to let you in on some really good news. The good news of the gospel is this, 
That because of Jesus, God knew we would screw up. He knew we would make unwise choices. He knew we would sin, that the gravitational pull of our heart was toward rebellion from God, toward what our flesh wanted to do. And because of that, he sent Jesus so that you would never have to have a servile fear of God. Again, you could have a filial fear of God. See, what Jesus does when you believe in Jesus, when you trust in the life that Jesus led for you, the sin-free life that Jesus led for you, the Bible says that, but as many as received him to those who believe in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Not prisoners of God, children of God. That the Father you can now serve with a filial fear instead of a servile fear. So, Number two, besides fear it, is you gotta want it. You, you gotta want wisdom. If, if, I mean, I use this illustration a lot, but it, there's not a better one. I want washboard abs. But the truth is, I don't. Because if I really wanted them, I would do sit-ups. If I really wanted them, I would eat birdseed. <laughs> if I really wanted them, I would do lots of cardio. See, really what's going on is washboard abs is a great idea. But it's not happening because I don't really want it. And that's the problem. Many of us, we go, oh, I want to follow Jesus. And not really. <laughs> it's just a good idea. That would be neat if I was godly. Listen, if you want godly wisdom, you got to get it. It's available for you, but you got to get it. Look what it says in Proverbs 2, verse 4. I love this. It says, it's talking about wisdom, that if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, if you look for it as for silver, you search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And, and, and find the knowledge of God. So it's, it's talking about looking for wisdom like, like hidden treasure. And I'm gonna let you in on a little um, guilty pleasure in my life. It's one of my favorite TV shows. It's, stu it's the stupidest show ever. I'm mildly embarrassed that I'm gonna tell you about it, okay? It's on the History Channel. And it's called The Curse of Oak Island. Do we have anyone that watches The Curse of Oak Island in the room? Okay, thank you five fellow nerds that are here. Really a stupid show, and I'm watching it knowing it's a stupid show, and I love it. And here's what this show is about. It's a reality show, and there's this guy, Rick and Marty Lagina, and um, I believe it's Marty is a billionaire. He's made hundreds and millions and mil tons of money. And he's got all this money, and their whole life, they always dreamed as they were little kids. There's this little island off the coast of Nova Scotia, and um, on it, there's always been rumors that there was either like buried pirate treasure or Knights Templar treasure or Captain Crunch put something there. There's something on the island. And these guys have spent tens of millions, millions and millions of their own dollars, countless hours every summer going to Oak Island now and looking for this treasure. And you watch the show and they've just suck you in because you're watching it and they're digging like these crazy holes, bringing in all kinds of equipment. And someone will be like, wait, I found something. And then the music will get super dramatic and then it'll go next week on Oak Island. 
And then you show up next week and they found a nail from like the 1800s. It could be a pirate's nail. This is a, this is a, a, a coin from the 1700s and it has a cross on it. The Knights Templar have been here. We know it. I mean, they do that kind of thing. And they're spending all of this money and all of this time trying to find this thing. How many of us really look for God's wisdom? More so, we tend to just stumble our way through life and hope we stumble across it. It says, if you look for it as for gold or hidden treasure, silver or hidden treasure. See, here's the truth. In our life, every day, we are taking in and we are choosing to take in all kinds of content. You know, if you're a young person, you're taking in Snapchat, TikTok, social media all day long. And that will shape who you are. It'll shape every, it shapes what you believe, how you see the world, all of that. Don't think you're a free thinker. And some of the old people are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you pause old people because AM radio does the same thing to us. <laughs> so don't think you're even, le- even less a sheep than they are. See, we, there's a reason the Bible calls us sheep even. Because as human beings, we can tend to, to just be influenced by whatever is hitting us. And we start picking up beliefs. But here's what I want you to know. Wisdom, godly wisdom is found in this book. And if you search for it as for hidden treasure, you'll find it. But for most of us, it's just a good idea. See, I have a friend that... Um, accused me of groupthink once. He said, oh, you know, you, you Christians, you just all think the same, you know, and you're kind of like a bunch of sheep and you all think the same thing. There's no free thinkers among you and on and on and on. And, you know, I always remind him, I'm like, well, that, that might be true, but, you know, you went to a secular school and then a secular high school and then a secular college and you got your master's at secular college. And I, you guys all believe the same thing too. So I, I don't see a lot of free thinking going on in secularism either. <laughs> see, and the truth of the matter is there is things coming at us all day long. And if you don't have a steady diet of God's wisdom, if you're not looking for it, you'll never find it. And there's this thing about, about the, it, it talked about the, the knowledge of God and the understanding of God is here, here's what I've learned along the way is in God's word, you have the knowledge of God. You can learn who God is, who he is to you, who you are in him, who you belong to, all of those things. So you get knowledge here, but here's what happens as you get knowledge. And then you're also in your growth groups and you're in community and you're, you're, you're listening to the word of God be preached. And you're listening to be taught by by, by good teachers of God's word. You not just get knowledge. You also begin to develop understanding and knowledge. When knowledge marries understanding, it has a baby and its name is wisdom. And you won't get the wisdom though, if you don't go get it. See, the question we never ask, we go, God, tell me what to do. I want to, just tell me what to do. It'll be easier. And then God says, well, you should probably do this. And you're like, ah, I don't like that though. Don't tell me what to do. And the real question we have to ask sometimes is what is the wise thing to do, Lord? 
Not what is the right thing, what is the wrong thing, what, you know, how close can I get to sin without touching it? Ask, what is the wise thing? And then go and search him. And that leads me to number three, right? You gotta fear God, you've gotta want wisdom, and then you've got to pray for it. You've got to ask for it. You have to ask for it. Look what James, James, the brother of Jesus, he says this in James chapter one, verse five and six. He said, if any of you lacks wisdom, everyone poke your head right now. We all lack wisdom at times. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives it generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. What, what does the Bible say? It says that if you lack wisdom, ask God and he will give it to you generously. And then it says this, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. See, and from a practical standpoint in my life, when I am at a crossroads, when I'm trying to decide what is the wise thing, and I'm gonna be honest, I don't always pick the wise thing. Um, I've made some foolish decisions in my life. I make foolish decisions to this day. But when I go to God and I say, Lord, Help make me wise in this situation. You know, that I, I, I pray, I ask for it, I search for it. I search for it in God's word. I go to mentors, godly people that I know are not gonna tell me what I wanna hear, but they're gonna tell me what they think God is telling them. And in that process, I really believe that God will give me the wisdom I've asked for. See, here's the truth of the matter. Every one of us here make choices every day, right? We talked about this. You choose to brush your teeth, you choose what radio station, all of those things. You choose what you eat. You choose where you're gonna, you know, what clothes you're gonna wear, all of that. I don't know if you ever thought about this though. Every one of us in this room, including myself, we are all a culmination of all the little choices we've made in our life. Who I am today is because of all the good and the bad choices I've made in life. The wise choices and the unwise choices the things I struggle with, the things I, I, the baggage I carry typically are a product of the choices I've made. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, now hold on, pastor. Sometimes other people have made choices that spilled onto me I had no choice in. And I, I get that. There are circumstances in your life, there's a, you know, someone may have done something to you or they may have taken something for you or maybe it was a, a, just a, a circumstance you couldn't control, a natural disaster, a sickness, something with your health that you had no control over. But the, the thing that you do have a choice in, the thing that you have control over is how you will respond in that, right? If someone wronged you, you are ridiculously in charge of whether you will be make, let that make you bitter or better. If something terrible is happening in your life, you're ridiculously in charge of, am I gonna trust God in this situation or am I gonna feel anxiety? Am I gonna, am I gonna trust God in this situation or am I gonna trust my flesh and get angry at this person? Am I gonna trust that God is sovereign? Am I gonna trust his ways or am I gonna trust my way? We're all making choices that way. And the reality is, is that the choice I make makes me. And the most important choice you have to make in your life is who, who will you belong to? Well, I make my decisions for myself, Sean. 
that's fine. God, lo- God loves you so much. He respects you and let you make all the decisions you ever want. You can be the Lord of your life. You can be the king of your life. God loves you and respects that and has given you that ability to do that. But Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter seven. He said that um, there were two men and um, the wise man, he built his house on the rock. Right? He built his house on this firm foundation that was immovable, that couldn't be moved. And when storms came, when the storms of life, when the wind hit, the waves hit, all of that, when he built his house on the rock, the house stayed put. It didn't move. It might have been weathered. It might have lost some shingles, but it didn't move because it was on the rock. And then he said, the foolish man built his house on sand. And really what he was talking about because if you build your house on sand, you know what happens. As the water comes up, as a storm hits, it just washes the house out to sea because it's not on a foundation that is permanent. And many of us, we will build our lives on things that are not permanent, that really a hundred years from now, no one will care about, no one will remember, you won't care about. I mean, no one is gonna stand around um, my grave and go, man, that guy preached a good sermon. No one's going to stand around your grave and go, oh man, a hundred years from now, man, that guy could sell insurance. hundred years from now, no one's going to stand around your tombstone and go, wow, she was pretty. No one's going to stand around your tombstone a hundred years from now and be like, that guy had washboard abs. <laughs> now he has just washboard ribs, but anyways... There's so many things we build our self-esteem, we build our identity on, we build all those things on. And it's like we're digging for treasure that's not there. It's almost like the curse of Oak Island. See, for many of us, even Christians, we've been searching for something other than God's wisdom. We bought into the lie that the rest of the world tells us about something that's gonna give us worth and who we are and whatnot. And we built our house on sinking sand. There's an old hymn, it says, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Some of you, today's the day. Jesus said, In Revelation 3.20, he said, behold, I stand in the door and I knock. That that he stands at the door of our heart, the door of our life, and he wants to come in. He wants to forgive you of your sin. He wants to change you, make you into a new creation, make you into the creation he created you to be since the beginning of the world. But until you make the choice, because it's your choice that I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to lay down my way, And I'm going to take up Jesus' way. And it doesn't mean you do it perfect. It doesn't mean you've got it figured out and that suddenly you're instantly holy and instantly perfect. Because I've been doing this over 30 years following Jesus and I keep screwing up. I keep making unwise choices. But here's what I know. When I keep pointing my heart towards wisdom, towards Jesus, towards God, towards that, God, the gravitational force of God's spirit just keeps pulling me closer and closer to him day by day, inch by inch. And until you surrender and you receive Jesus as your Lord, your life is built on nothing but sinking sand. And when Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock, he talked about your heart, your life. And I'm gonna ask you 
We're gonna give you the choice, actually, the opportunity to do something incredibly powerful in your life, incredibly brave, and that's receive Christ as your Lord. Or maybe for some of you, it's just come back home to him. You kind of strayed and you've been working on your testimony. God knew that, he loves you. He's crazy about you. He's not mad at you because of your sin. This is why he sent Jesus for you, for your sin. But you have to make that choice. And the Bible says in John 1:12, but as many as received him to those who believe in his name, he's given them the right to become children of God. That if you receive him, then you become his. Then he becomes a father with, that, that you have filial fear for, that you just want to please. But you have to make that choice. So we're gonna pray and I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And wherever you're at, wherever you're watching or you're in the room right now, let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. Just spend a moment with God right now.